You did it. You accepted an opportunity. You prepared and practiced. And you delivered a big presentation in a small room. So uh, now what? Are you done? Well, it depends. Proper follow-up can make the difference between success and failure. Wisdom helps determine if and how to follow up. Welcome to the Big Presentations Podcast, where we offer encouragement and guidance to those who make big presentations in small rooms. We believe that properly focused practice and preparation result in effective communications. I'm your host, Paul Gibson. Let's get started. Welcome to the Big Presentations Podcast. Today, we're learning what to do after a big presentation. For many presenters, the work is not over when the presentation is over. So what comes next? Stick around and we'll find out. Could your organization benefit from a big presentations training? I bet it could. If you have internal meetings that include updates and proposals, this is for you. If you do sales presentations in small rooms, we can help. We are honored to be working with municipalities, construction and engineering companies and, and nonprofits. So if your organization does presentations, we can help. Go to mrgpresentations.com to book your training today. So we are all prepared to have a lot of fun learning about today's topic. But first, we're going to go back to last week's podcast and find out what we talked about then. Last week, we talked about the smile as a powerful way to build rapport. We smiled and we laughed as we learned how smiles can be contagious. We also addressed the fact that a person can, well, a person can smile too much and how smiles must be used wisely, or they can be confusing or even offensive. Smiles can build trust and deepen relationships when they are authentic and appropriate. Smiles are powerful, so we should use them generously and wisely. It was a great episode. If you haven't checked it out, you should go listen. Absolutely, you should. And as we learned, some smiles can just mean you never know what be coming next. <laughs> <laughs> it could be anything. But today we're discussing the things that happen after a presentation. Right. Because sometimes that presentation opens a door and after the presentation's over, you have to follow through. You have to decide to walk through that door in order to fully attain your goal. We're going to help you do that. So here are three things to keep in mind when you complete a presentation. One, consider the purpose. Two, consider the audience. And three, Consider the timing. These all sound great. Let's get to it. All right. Tip number one is to consider the purpose. What is the purpose of your presentation? Were you simply sharing information? Perhaps your responsibility was to provide a clear and accurate summary of project progress or even completion. So there's an additional question here. What's supposed to be done with that information? Were you proposing a new idea? In this case, you sought to ensure an understanding of the costs and benefits of the proposal and how the benefits outweigh the cost. I like it. It seems like in both scenarios, you should be asking the following questions. Will you be waiting on a decision that determines future action? How will you receive that decision? Will it happen during the meeting or will you have to wait for it? If you must wait for a decision, how will you know how long to wait? At what point should you gently request the needed decision? Follow-up might be required to move forward in your work. So here's the main point. 
if the questions lead to action, those actions are considered follow-up items. Were you teaching a new skill? If so, then your success depends on the audience's ability to implement that skill that you were giving to them. So we want to make sure that they can use the information, that they can that they can carry out the skill that we sought to, to give to them. We don't ever want to leave anybody hanging. Yeah, for sure. And I think the thing that comes to my mind most frequently is just that scene in a movie where somebody's like, oh, and whatever you do, don't do. Oh, wait, my phone's ringing. I'll be right back. You don't want that situation with your audience because that would be terrible. But on a much more relatable note, I've been training somebody who's new at the radio station where I do my job. He's done a similar job before. So luckily, he's already pretty up to speed on a lot. But what he's going to be doing at least some of the time is my job if I'm out sick or if I'm on vacation. And so a lot of that is getting him used to the processes that I go through when I edit the show that we air. So I have to let him know exactly what those processes are and also how to use those processes within our software. Now, some of that is going to mean follow up with him to make sure that he has those processes lined out in the settings correct so that it can continue to be as good as it can be. And as a matter of fact, I need to schedule a meeting with him sometime soon to make sure he gets that. <laughs> <laughs> follow up is important. Yes. For me, my business has been growing to where I, I, I cannot do everything. There's just not enough hours in the day to do everything. So starting to delegate things and Social media is one of those things that I'm now delegating. Well, during the time that I was doing it on my own, my process had evolved in some really weird ways. Now, I knew how to do it pretty quickly, and the product looked good. But then when I began trying to hand that off to someone else, I realized that my process was really a mess. <laughs> I knew how to do it because I was there for all the changes and you know all, all that. Uh, but I really needed to simplify the process. And make it much easier to understand. And really just, I needed to make it better so that I could hand it off. And then if that person then at some point in the future needed to hand it off to somebody else, they could they could do so. So there's there's work to do, and that's that's ongoing work to make sure that what I'm handing to people is setting them up for success and not just frustrating them with confusing or unclear instructions. So when you're in a situation like this, here are some other questions to ask. How soon will the other person be applying this new skill? Immediately? In a few days? In a few weeks? And if it's not immediate, then ask what quick refreshers might be needed when the application happens. What are some common frustrations when applying this skill? How can you lessen that frustration and how can you encourage them through it? And how long will it take for this new skill set to become easy? How will you know when the implementation is complete? Right. And, and when it is complete, how can you best celebrate that? Because that celebration encourages the participants. And it's an effective way to highlight your success and leading them to this point. Absolutely. And, and, and back to the guy who I'm training, we have already agreed that when he does have to step in for me, we're going to get together the day before and kind of do a quick run through where he's actually going to do the work where I'm going to get to watch him do it. And then we'll be all up to speed, which I think is kind of that good follow up towards saying, hey, you're going to need to know this on this date. Well, then let's just do a quick review before that to make sure that everybody's up to speed. So this is really good. Now, remember, if the questions lead to action, 
those actions are considered follow-up items. So that's tip number one. Consider your purpose and then follow up as needed. And tip number two, if I remember correctly, is to consider your audience. But Mike, I mean, do do you really have to say this? <laughs> yes. The audience determines the approach you take when you're following up. I mean, I know we know this. I just want to make sure that I remind you of it. Okay. Okay. It's true. If you follow up with your bosses, well, the approach is going to be different than following up with somebody who's a peer. And if you're following up with your employees, the approach is going to be more unique to that situation as well. Right. But there are a few guidelines that would apply to all three of these situations. First, be respectful in ways that feel respectful to the other person. Now, we know the golden rule, right? It says to treat other people the way you want to be treated. But there's this other rule, the platinum rule, and it says to treat other people the way they want to be treated. I like that. There are, of course, limits to it, but it's a good general rule to follow. What do they need? What do they want? Try to provide that. Absolutely. And I, I got the second one. The second one is to be clear. Be clear. Seek to understand what the audience understands. And just to be clear, I'm going to say it again. Seek to understand what the audience understands. What are they hearing? What assumptions are they making? This is really important. If you don't understand their understanding of the information or the product or the application of a new skill, well, then you're going to be unable to clarify those misunderstandings. And that happens. I mean, when you're delegating, if you're willing to pay attention to the body language and the questions, you'll be able to make needed changes and adjustments so that you're communicating better. Uh, and this this happens to me every time I teach a new class. Every time I'm rolling out a new curriculum, there will be some set of instructions that I think is good for like a group assignment. I want you guys to go work on this. And then a hand will go up and someone will ask a really good question that reveals a weakness in the instructions I gave them. Like there's some confusion there that I didn't realize until they asked this good question. And that's a gift for me. So I clarify that, get them working. And then I immediately go to my notes and make a note to myself of the changes I need to make so that those instructions will be more clear the next time. And as a dad of a six-year-old, I have this happen on just about a daily basis when I will say something that I'm expecting to get a specific reaction from my child on. And as a matter of fact, it happened today. I wish I could remember the exact scenario, but essentially I told my daughter something that I was fully expecting her to be agreeable to at the very least, maybe even excited. And she looked at me and straight face said, no, you're, you're messing with me. <laughs> I said, no, 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 I'm not. And she goes, but you said this. I said, okay, what, what do you think that that specific word means? And when she told me what she thought it meant, it was the exact opposite. I mean, it couldn't have been more wrong. And I was like, oh, if I told you that that word actually means this, would that change the way you feel about it? She said, oh, yes, that sounds great then. That's, that's, that's good. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to be careful sometimes. And that's not to make you sound like maybe – you're the smartest person in the room, but you need to use language that is clear, concise, and isn't going to go over somebody's head because if it does, you may totally lose them. 
That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So this tip number two is consider the audience. And there were some guidelines that we're saying, you know, we need to be respectful. We need to be clear. And then the third guideline for considering your audience is to be helpful. As you respectfully and clearly communicate, be aware of the needs of the other person and be willing to help. Now, remember, the type of help you provide is determined by guess who? I'm going to say the audience. Is that right? (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. Cool. And the help that you can provide is determined by the position of the one receiving the help. So whoever you're giving it to, that that determines how you give the help. And whether they're above you or beside you or maybe even under you in the organization, it makes a difference. Yes, right. That, That help should be appropriate to that relationship. And I mean, I remember one time um, I was on the receiving end of some uh, inappropriate help. It was such an awkward situation. And the other people who were observing, you could just sense the tension in the room (laughs) because everyone's like, ooh, not staying in your lane there, are you? And... And it it was not it was not helpful for the situation. It was right. not helpful for this person's reputation. Right. That right. that happened because immediately some assumptions were made about this person, which weren't even entirely accurate. It wasn't it wasn't a bad person. It was just someone who hadn't thought through the role they were supposed to play in a certain situation. Right. And as a result, ended up making some bad first impressions for anyone who was listening that didn't know this, this person, uh, because it was, well, it was just, it was help offered inappropriately for the situation. Right. Right. And, and a way to help in an appropriate manner could just be the idea of like, say you're the expert, which one would hope if you're giving the presentation, right? I mean, one would hope that you're the one who knows hopefully the most about it in the room, or at least more than most. So the best thing that you can do is to help people learn how to do the thing that you're teaching them themselves, like how to learn the process to do it themselves, as opposed to just walking in and being like, so you guys are going to have to do this. Nah, it's uh, it's fine. I'll just do it myself because it'll go quicker that way. For one thing, that kind of makes you look like a snob. And also, you're not setting them up for success. If you teach them how to do it, it's kind of the whole like teach a man to fish and he'll eat forever as opposed to doing it, you know, fishing for them and handing them a fish. And then it's like they get to eat one meal. So. It may take more time on the front end teaching them how to do a certain process, but if you're doing it right right and you teach them how to do that thing, then they can do it for themselves, and that sets them up for success in what they're doing, and it also leads to a whole lot less frustration for, well, let's face it, everybody. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, so you're just considering the relationship. So you're asking yourself, am I in a position to where it is a part of my role to, for example, offer a critique? Yes, well, it may not be, and you may even had some have some great critiques to offer, but they're not going to be heard because, because it's not your place. <laughs> because it's not your place, and other times it might be that you know you're trying to lead well, and it is your place to lead, and you're trying to equip those under you to be able to do certain work. Well, then you're having to fight the temptation to. Well, you know, I could help them learn how to do it, but it's so much faster if I just step in and do it myself. That's right. Without realizing that you are you are limiting the entire organization to only what you could do. Right. So if you slow down enough to equip this team to do it, then they can all do it and you don't have to do it anymore. You could be going on and doing other things and 
part of your job, your role is to equip the people under you to be able to do these things. So we need to, to keep in mind the relationship uh, so that we can be helpful in appropriate way. So we consider the audience by being respectful, by being clear, and by being helpful, all, all in appropriate ways. Let's go back over this. Tip okay. number one was to consider the purpose. And tip number two right. was to consider the audience. But we haven't gotten to number three yet. So what's number three? That's true. True. Tip number three is to consider the timing. Ah, yes. Timing matters. <laughs> this <laughs> this truth applies no matter the nature of the relationship. If the information is going to those in authority over you, it matters. If it's going on a peer level, it matters. If you are uh, sharing information down uh, to those who are working under your authority, it still matters. And if you're the boss, it's tempting to ignore this as a reality. If you're a peer, the same temptation might be there. Just don't give in to it. Right. Yes. I mean, if you want the other person to focus and to listen you got to be aware. Be aware of the situation. If it's not conducive to listening, wait for a better situation. Now, you might not have any choice. And if that's the case, then be careful, uh, be patient, and realize that the other person is probably going to be distracted, which means you might have to repeat this sometime in the near future. <laughs> and know this, please, please know this. If you're selling an idea, realize that bad timing could kill that idea. It's sad, but it is true. You know, it would be, it'd be just depressing to know the number of brilliant ideas that failed to receive support because the timing was bad. Right. I mean, if the listener is distracted, you need to wait for a better time. If the listener is in a bad mood, just wait. If the listener is busy, wait for a less stressful moment. So the bottom line is this. To propose a good idea at a bad time is a bad idea. Very true. And I don't care if you're a husband or a wife or a boyfriend or a girlfriend. If you've been in a relationship for any length of time, you know this to be true. Because if you propose a great idea, I don't care if it's like the best, cheapest pool table for a great price. I mean, it's just it's great. And you want to put it in your family room, but your other half has had a bad day. It's a dumb idea. That's just all there is to it. It is a dumb idea. So you need to think about these things. It could be introducing your your other half to a TV show that you think is going to be awesome. They may not be in the headspace for it. Maybe they need something more familiar on that day. They don't, as my wife puts it, want to make new friends. <laughs> Some days you just don't have the bandwidth for it. So keep that in mind with your audience, too, because if you're giving a presentation at your job within people that you're going to see the next week for maybe another presentation, presentation. Maybe there's some sort of new process that you really want to implement, but everybody's thinking about budgets that week. Maybe you should hold it over till the next week's presentation because they're not going to hear you. All they're going to be thinking about is how much everything costs in that moment until they get those budgets turned in. And then maybe they'll have the bandwidth to be able to hear, oh, 
this could save me some time if we do this this way, even if it'll take a couple of days to get used to it being a little different. So yeah, you got to pick those battles at the right time because I I 100% agree. Those are the three tips that will really help out. So if your presentation requires follow-up, ensure that it happens. Place a reminder on your calendar or an alarm on your phone or, or both. And when you hear that reminder, recall the three tips. Tip number one, keep in mind the purpose of the presentation. Tip number two, remember the personalities involved and their positions within the organization. And tip number three, remember that timing matters. Wise follow-up will set you apart as a great presenter, especially in situations where follow-up rarely happens at all. You could be leading the way to a healthier and more productive workplace even as you deliver big presentations in small rooms. Today, we've been talking about following up on a presentation. To learn more about this, check out chapter 18 of the book, Big Presentations in Small Rooms. In that chapter, you will learn about internal presentation follow-up as well as external sales presentation follow-ups and more. This is some good stuff. It's a great resource. Once again, I'm sharing with you the information about one chapter that's worth the price of the whole book. So get your copy today at Amazon. You can choose digital, print, or audiobook. There's a link in the show notes.